and welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, a podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Royce. With me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. How you doing, Kath? Hi, Pat. I'm, uh, I'm good. I, um, I'm about to go on vacation at the end of the week, and in classic about-to-go-on-vacation fashion, I have procrastinated like nine million things I need to do before I leave until uh, this week. So I'm very sleepy and very busy, but uh, I putting this episode together was a very fun uh, way to spend a little bit of that time being busy. So I'm happy I got to do it. Uh, How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm uh, sitting here at the house uh, right before we started recording. I just got into Wordle. I did, I did my Hell first, yeah. and I didn't know. I realized I was. I fell victim to a scam. I was playing that bogus Wordle app, and I was like, "How do I share this shit? What do I do?" And the then, fake uh, Wordle, yeah, it's, the fake Wordle. Man, a, there was a, a Wordle scam. We got to cover it. It's, yeah, uh, we're gonna it's have a tragedy. to. I, got, I don't even know if I can cover it with a non-biased uh, take because I'm I'm deeply offended. But, uh, <laughs> I was. You're I, not the only person I know who fell victim to the. The fake Wordle in the App Store that was not made by Wordle's original creator and was instead made by some some cruel opportunist. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you figured it out. That's what's uh, yeah. I was going through it. I saw uh, like because I saw everybody share those little those little squares. I was like, that looks intriguing. And then so I started playing the fake one, and I was like, oh, what do I do? So I was like. I was like practicing, like just plotting them out <laughs> if I ever wanted to share it. And then I was going through Twitter. I saw somebody tweet like, oh, my God, my idiot boyfriend thought you had to type out every wordle. And I was just like, oh, I'm getting everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, did you solve did you solve today's yet? I did. I, I got pretty damn good. I think I got four tries and everybody nice. said it was real humdinger. So I feel good about myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congrats. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Wordle fan. I I feel like the more I do it, the worse I am at it. But uh, I I like that. I like that. Like um, we were saying before this about it's it's so shitty that somebody made like a fake app for it because the thing I like about it is that it is so undemanding of you. Like yeah. it's one word puzzle a day. There are no ads. There's no like people post them on Twitter and stuff, but it's there's no social media element of wordle like it's just a little word puzzle and i yeah. i love that I, yeah if you don't like beat a word and it's like you just got 50 fudge coins and you're like oh, what the hell does that right mean? and I, there's no <laughs> there's no risk of i remember when my mom found words with friends it's like cool we had a couple games going and then like immediately i started getting the pokes like hey hey it's your turn go and i was like this is no longer fun yeah like you can't get addicted to it it's just like a nice low intensity uh thing to do on your phone which i really appreciate i'm glad somebody commodified it and uh (laughs) it fucked everything up (laughs) yeah um well speaking of people commodifying a good thing uh that is what our episode is about today nice stone cold Um, fucking capitalism baby yeah i'm i'm excited to do this one because so our the last um uh patreon episode i did which you can listen to if you're not a patron uh you can join at patreon.com slash lie cheat and steal that's lie cheat a and d steal uh was about uh uh this guy don miller who um stole a bunch of like indigenous people's uh remains and kept them in his uh vast basement full of artifacts for many many years yeah so it was the last and made like weird ass dioramas and shit just all around awful yeah. guy go listen to that episode <laughs> yeah just a true weirdo um so this episode is sort of along similar lines because it's about uh, a, a white guy who commodified uh, indigenous culture while he was alive. Um, <laughs> we've done a couple episodes about like sort of race faking type stuff uh, in the past. And I feel like this is this is kind of an early example of that. The guy I'm going to talk about today. This is a. Uh, a classic case of a white guy pretending to be Native American, but uh, it's it's action packed. I think it's a fun one. I'm I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it. Is, is this uh, is it is this uh, on deadly ground? Is this like what are, is it's it's a white guy pretending to be Native American and it's action packed. I'm just thinking like a Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so today I'm going to be talking about Steven Seagal. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, although this guy, he, he apparently did some acting, so maybe he was a role model. But the guy I'm talking about today is a guy named Edgar LaPlante. Uh, 
Have you ever? I'm assuming you have not heard of this man. No, I have not heard of Eddie Plantones. Uh, Eddie, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Laplants, like L A L A P L A N C E. Yeah, like uh, like a guy from our neck of the woods, up in uh, up in the borderlands near uh, near Quebec. He is, yeah. uh, I believe, a French Canadian. Laplanche. Um, okay, all right. Any confirmation exactly, of the yeah. body type? Do we know if he's <laughs> which one of my cousins does he look like? That's the only three. Um, I mean, he was pretty hunky, honestly. I, okay, I so think it's that's me. It's me. Okay, so it's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's a classic Pat Soroy's figure. Um, <laughs> Dashing. Uh, ethnically <laughs> ambiguous. I get it. <laughs> I mean, he was he he seemed to be the life of the party, uh, li- like you are. So who knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah, this guy, I I really like. I found him fascinating, and even though he uh, was definitely a scumbag, I did kind of find myself having a little bit of affection for him. I feel like he would make an amazing movie. I'm sh- okay. I'm shocked. That they have not made a movie about him, maybe yeah. because he did something extremely offensive. That's probably my <laughs> guess. But I, a French Canadian angle that I know my whole life, I was always told like uh, a big separation of uh, you know France and French Canadians is the the um, the fact that they openly like wed with natives back in the day and like lived mm-hmm. like more along alongside of them, and that was always like so. Every French Canadian kid, I'm sure, was heard like, "Yeah, yeah, we're you know pretty much you're French Canadian." It's like saying you got a bunch of Native American blood and all this stuff. And I was like, "Oh, cool." And then I, I did a one of those 23 Me's recently, and I don't know where they're hiding it, but it's not there. <laughs> it's just literally <laughs> <laughs> like none of it. So it's, it's literally just like it's like my countries were just Britain and France, and that was it. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know what they were what they were talking about. Well, you know, it's like every every white person, um, particularly white people, I think with with northeastern roots is everybody's says they're part Indian. Oh, like yeah, everybody, yeah. you know, it's the classic. Uh, Tim McGraw classic made a whole move. goddamn song about it, where he's essentially just doing red face the whole time. Like it's like what it's like. I'm a Chippewa, my girl, she's Choctaw. It's a Indian outlaw. That's what it is, and it's uh, very bad. <laughs> Well, this guy, I feel like, is very much in the vein of that. Um, this guy, Edgar LaPlante, he, uh, yeah, he was born in Rhode Island in 1888, um, which, as I said, this is like, yeah. this is kind of an earlier um, example of somebody pretending to be Native American. Um, so, yeah, he's 1888. Uh, I also, I do want to say a lot of this stuff comes from uh, a few different articles, but the articles I read all sourced uh, the same source, which was a... 2018 book by this guy Paul Willits called King Khan, which I now really want to read because this guy's life was really fascinating. So nice. check that book out if you want more information about this guy. Um, but yeah, he was born in 1888 in Rhode Island. And uh, by all accounts, he started swindling people real early, really like before legal age, he was running <laughs> some cons. Yeah, I think he's had to have that edge to really kind of get ahead of the crowd back then. I mean, people, that was really a golden age of swindling people. People, it it was, and we've talked about it before. It was a very easy time to do so. So, uh, yeah, he, he sort of, uh, he, one of the articles I read said basically that he anticipated uh, a GoFundMe scam because he basically, as a kid, went around to the store owners in his hometown of Central Falls, Rhode Island and asked for contributions to help uh, a struggling businessman. So he took up collection for somebody else. And he's a struggling you know, businessman. He's tiny. He looks like he's eight, but he's a good guy. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, and honestly, like the idea of taking up a collection uh, for uh, somebody down on their luck who does not actually exist and is in fact Edgar Laplante himself. It's kind of the the skeleton of what he ends up doing as a as a quote unquote Native American okay. is he ends up becoming like kind of an activist for indigenous causes and getting people's money and then uh, using it on himself. He's so, a real, yeah, a real proto dolezal. Yes, precisely. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's kind of the first uh, scam on record for him as he he, you know, the prototype of what he ended up becoming the uh the first crime you know that we we discover of him then he escalates but uh yeah he 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 was doing this at 14 and uh he ran afoul of the law um it didn't go on his record or anything because he was a kid but they did uh send him off to boarding school after this and 
The next time we sort of hear about him is uh, when he's in his 20s. So this is like, um, you know, around the the 1910s, early 19-teens. And um, he uh, surfaces in really the best place to learn how to be a con artist in the 1910s. We find him in Coney Island. Oh, which is yeah. <laughs> yeah just like scam mecca you yeah. know just like it's, it's crazy it's like a whole like borough or a neighborhood a borough, but like a whole neighborhood is just like it's a whole existence just it's a carnival <laughs> like it, yeah it's just there's roller coasters there's cotton candy there's three card monty games it just seems like an insane characteristic to like be associated with a real neighborhood where people live yeah, it's totally wild. Like, I, I love Coney Island, but it is a very strange place even today. I mean, today it has this sort of veneer of nostalgia to it, but, like, it's always also been a neighborhood and still is a neighborhood. Yeah. And, like, one of the things that is so weird to me about Coney Island now is it used to be um, these, like, different amusement parks that were all sort of next to each other, but now like a lot of the rides you can just go on the rides themselves there's not like an amusement park that you have to pay entrance to so like you can literally get off the subway and walk onto a roller coaster it's so (laughs) weird (laughs) that's tight it's cost ten dollars to ride the cyclone and according to Google Google Maps, I have not checked this out, but it it I am fascinated by it, and I think about it all the time when I can't sleep. According to Google Maps, the cyclone, which you can just literally cross a street from a subway station and board, is open 24 hours a day, which is <laughs> just astonishing to me. I think about it all the time. Uh, man, I would do drug deals on the cyclone, but yeah, yeah, meet me on the cyclone. Yeah. You both just got to get on that bitch. <laughs> I just think about it like there's got to be like so many like Don Drapers through history that like just like weird businessmen like riding the riding the cyclone at like three in the morning after cheating on their wives. Like some some like John Updike, like short yeah. story protagonist, just like riding the cyclone. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, just, yeah, just like just a calm veneer on his face. He's doing loop de loops. He's like, you're in the summer yeah. of my life. you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I imagined happening there at like three in the morning. Um, but yeah, it's it's an extremely weird place. Like even still, I mean, those I'm sure you've seen the side talk videos of the the Coney Island. Oh people. yeah, dude, I, man, I love that shit. It's like the big bong, fuck your life. That was that was great. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's people. Ariana Grande, states. come to Coney Island. I miss you. Like all that. <laughs> so good. That's what it just seems like like a circus hood. Like you'd be like bumping that like like clown it is. or whatever. <laughs> <was> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like, and I think it was even more like that yeah. uh, when this guy was there in the in the tens. And so he he is a, a working at Coney Island. He gets a job uh, as something called a quote unquote ballyhoo man, which is a very nineteen <laughs> tens job. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he like waxed mustaches or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what a ballyhoo man is apparently is uh, it's. He is sort of like the auxiliary to the barker, the carnival barker. So he's like a ballyhoo man is somebody who like creates some kind of spectacle that gets people to stop. And then the barker kind of barks them into wherever oh, they are. Oh, shit. Okay. We, we obviously got to shout out uh, legendary Velveeta Room barker, Michael Park. Oh, <laughs> who's, yeah. Who's been shouting the same 12 lines on the 6th Street and getting people in asses in seats for decades. But it's like, yeah, it's kind of like an absolute had, like, king. Yeah, the best. So like a ballyhoo guy would be like if you had like like uh, a hot comic standing outside smoking a cigarette. So he stopped to talk to her, and then Michael was like, "Bring her in, make her grin yes. here at the Velvet Room." That's a ballyhoo uh, man. Got it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what what um, Laplante did as a ballyhoo man was he was dressed up in an Indian costume, and that was a spectacle to get people to sort of stop and look at his like big crazy you know he had the feather headdress and the buckskins and everything and then they'd get barked in yeah Yeah. so uh that's kind of when he realized um that he had uh, a talent for impersonating uh an indigenous person (laughs) which i'm just sure it was not a faithful he's like just telling his boy like yo i'm real good at this shit watch it's just (laughs) (laughs) it's just the worst (laughs) most problematic impression the 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 like 
impression I get from reading about him, and I, I, I couldn't really find any, like, descriptions of him as a person, but based on, like, what his life ends up being like, I get the sense that he was probably really charming and fun to be around because, yeah. first of all, he is good-looking. Second of all, he was reportedly a huge cokehead. So, Hell yeah. like, that guy is is gonna get the party started. Um, yeah. <laughs> it also ends up causing him quite a few problems. But, yeah. um, I mean, it wasn't that until very recently, I would say in the late 80s, you could walk into a party with a full Indian headdress and get the party started. Like, that wasn't. The... Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's... A, full, a full Indian headdress and a bunch of cocaine, yeah. you're ready to go. <laughs> I would still now be like, hey, we go to the bathroom. Don't let anybody see me going there with you. I'm not scared they're going to think I'm doing cocaine. I'm scared they're going to think I'm hanging out with the guy in a headdress. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Times have changed. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he was he was a cokehead uh, who was very handsome. He was also bisexual. And he he was like constantly like he married a bunch of times. He like was always in relationships. I just feel like they're, that to me, all of those things together paint a picture of like, Probably like a fun guy. Yeah. And yeah. and especially too, like he he travels a lot. So he's like a worldly, yeah. like cool hot bisexual cokehead is like all right you're doing great like yeah by and large the most interesting man in 1910 <laughs> like, exactly exactly also yeah i'm getting like i'm getting uh uh joe exotic vibes off the guy too a little bit yeah a little bit little bit i could definitely see that uh kind of that weird sort of charm yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah so he uh he, he's working as value man in coney island and um he yeah he's sort of like he would sing and dance and and make a scene uh, in this indian costume and then they'd bark him bark them into the show um and that's sort of by all accounts like coney island is sort of where he learned you know how to spot a mark and how yeah. to uh how to con people so he took this knowledge and he uh headed west as many con men before him uh he decided to go west young man and he ends up in uh arizona and by the time Very he gets to west. Arizona, yes, oh yeah, he he he's gonna he's gonna go all over the place in this yeah. story. Um, by the time he has reached Arizona, he has changed his identity. He is no longer going by the name of Edgar Laplante. Uh, he has become the revered Indigenous Canadian Olympian and marathon winner Tom Longboat, who <laughs> is a real guy. That That's is a okay. real guy who he is pretending to be. Yeah, yeah. So. Oftentimes we don't look at. We always talk about how easy it was to pretend, like you know, like that you weren't the guy you are. But you, you never think about it. it was easy just to say you were also somebody else. That was also just as easy. It worked for quite a while for him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which this is like, and I, I this is why I need to read the book because okay, so so a little bit about the real Tom Longboat. So so Tom Longboat was yeah he was I believe he was Iroquois, and um, he was a marathon runner who um yeah was like he won uh the boston marathon he in 1907 he was like a, a big he set a new world record when he won the marathon he beat the last record by over five minutes which is pretty impressive so nice. like a really like impressive guy and also while laplante was pretending to be him he was off fighting in World War One, so like just a heroic man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, dude, that's so crazy, man. So, yeah, Tom Longboat, not the guy you want your wife texting. You know, like if you're just like, like if you yeah. go through the phone and like Tom Longboat pops up, and you're just like, oh fuck. You know, like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I feel like I feel like you're really you're envisioning John Redcorn, and I yeah, don't think yeah. you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, I yeah, John, and then also Jim. Thorpe, I believe, is the other guy, just like the wonder, uh, wonder athlete, Native American dude, just broke every record. I think it's like the 40s. Yeah, that's I, I mean, back in the day, like the, people had really like just discovered how to run. So like yeah. you could win a record like yeah every yeah. week. But like if you watch those old newsreels, like you see them walk around. I know that's like the film grain or whatever where they look like they're hopping. I don't think it was. I think they all just kind of <laughs> moved like that. Um, but yeah, so this guy is like a fucking war hero and LaPlante is pretending to be him. And so the the way that this is profitable to him, which is so funny to me and why I need to read the book, is he apparently gave a bunch of like motivational lectures and also ran um, 
like racing clinics for runners. Like he would he would like coach runners. <laughs> Not and he so was like in no way a professional athlete. Yeah, like yeah, how did I he? <laughs> Like, did no one ever ask him to run? Like, wh- how did this work? It's so weird to me. Dude, I, the I, I only like, thing that he had that this guy had was that he was like, oh, I can pretend to be Native American and this guy's Native American. Yeah, like, yeah. there's no evidence that he was, like, good at running or anything. Yeah. Like, hey, can, well, can, I, don't, I hear all, you, all you're saying about running, but can I see you run? Maybe you get an idea. He's like, huh, huh, you want me to run? I'm out here teaching you how to run. You want me to, you mean to run? It's like, okay, no, no, I get it. I get it. Like, he's, yeah. Just avoids it. <laughs> I don't know. I guess he just finessed his way out of it. But it worked for a really long time, at least a couple years. Um, <laughs> I would was, love to see the runs that came out of that clinic. Like, it's just like, like yeah. Monty Python silly walks, but fast. <laughs> <laughs> it apparently worked all the way up until 1917 when uh, LaPlante decided to come back to New York City and um, he he enlisted in the army under the name Tom Longboat. But first of all, Tom Longboat was Canadian. And second of all, he was well known. And yeah. they knew that he was already supposedly off on the Western Front. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's uh, I would say bold move, but kind of stupid, actually. If well, the weirdest thing, too, and I think this really goes back to what we said about how much easier it was to sort of perpetrate these scams back then is that like he so he enlists in the army and it, the the fact that he enlists in the army generates a bunch of newspaper articles where they're like oh tom longboat he won the marathon 10 years ago now he's signing up for the army um, <laughs> oh shit <laughs> that that's great but he's the guy's all the real one's already in oh that's gonna be fun yeah so they're like oh tom longboat extra extra here he is he's signing up for the army in america um there these articles are accompanied by pictures of edgar laplante not of the real tom longboat they did not look alike at all um they, eventually they're like they find the inconsistency they're like wait a minute tom longboat is serving with the canadians and is on the western front as like an ally or something and there is a debate raging in the Brooklyn Daily Eagle about which one is the real one. And eventually the Brooklyn Daily Eagle sides with LaPlante and says LaPlante <laughs> is the real one. I would love to read the nuanced uh, editorial comments of a bunch of uh, Americans in 1910 arguing who is a real Native American, an actual Native American or a guy dressed like one. I'm, just, right. I'm, sure, I'm sure some very level-headed, edifying statements were made. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it wasn't just like, well, this guy looks more trustworthy <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I'm very racist. So yeah. I don't know. Look how tall his feathers are. Other guy, no feathers at all. So, I mean, I think the choice <laughs> is pretty obvious. So eventually this gets clears up, cleared up when the real longboat hears about the plant and writes a letter to him uh, and to a bunch of newspapers and is like, I'm going to sue this guy. This is bullshit. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is this is a faker. Um, but then, okay, so this is a total aside, but it's just like so funny to me that I feel like I need to talk about it. So poor, this is just an aside about the fate of poor Tom Longboat. So not only does journalism fail him by siding (laughs) with his imposter, journalism then fails him again because they report erroneously that he has been killed in action in France. Like after all of this stuff happens, yeah. he, there is a report that he's been killed in action. And first of all, the reports that he's been killed in action are frequently illustrated with photos of Edgar LaPlante and not him, (laughs) which is so mean. (laughs) And second of all, upon the news of him being killed in action, Tom Longboat's wife remarries. Oh, <laughs> and then and Longboat then comes back and is like, I'm alive. I'm here. And his wife is like the, the Wikipedia basically says, although overjoyed that he is still alive, she stays with her new husband. So <laughs> he just gets totally fucked. Oh, like, poor Tom. She's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you're back. That's real cool. Well, I'm going to get back inside. You know, <laughs> it's just, he, he does eventually remarry. So, you know, don't be too, too sad for Tom. Okay. But he does find, find love once again. But uh, yeah. yeah, that whole story, I'm just like, 
man, they really <laughs> fucked this guy. Yeah, All he did was like run fast and be a war hero. Yeah, yeah. People just screwed with him. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, back to LaPlante. After this whole snafu with Tom Longboat, um, he he manages to sort of get out of it without facing any consequences. And uh, does he learn from this? Well, he learns that he can impersonate a Native American as long as they're not real. So, <laughs> uh, the sociopaths will never be held asunder, man. I'm telling you, like, it's just at the, at the end of everything. It's like, hey, what did I learn from that? Is that I do a pretty damn good Native American impression. Yeah, that's the lesson he took from that. There is no teaching them. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Does not. Yeah, that is what he learns from it. Um, And so he then creates an even more successful persona, um, totally woven out of fiction. uh, (laughs) The LaPlante's football team. That's what I call myself now. (laughs) (laughs) Now he is uh, Chief White White Elk, who is, according to him, a movie star, an oil baron, and (laughs) chief of the Cherokee Nation. So he's really going for it. Oh yeah, high score on Pac-Man. Uh, you know, like fucking yeah, just. a triple threat. You know, he's <laughs> like that kid. Like, it's a kid you went to school with that was like, yeah, I have a Genesis and a Super Nintendo. And you're like, ah, you might be lying, but still, that's cool. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he just he just went for it. He he created this whole persona of this Chief White Elk. Um, yeah, said he was head of the Cherokee Nation. Um, he yeah he he claimed to have the ability to speak 21 languages. Um, the, the article I read said he had a quote, thrilling tenor voice, which again makes me think like this guy's just got the gift of gab. He is just charming. He, if you asked him to speak those 21 languages, he would mumble some gibberish and you would buy it because you just want to, you know, want to like him. So that's his, my favorite sort of little touch about this too, is that, so like the way he uses to sell this and there are pictures of him. Um, he's wearing this like full sort of stereotypical Plains Indian regalia. Like he has the big headdress and he has a, a, a buckskins and everything. But so the idea is that he has this flamboyant eagle feather headdress, right? Well, he was such a fraud. He used turkey feathers. Ah. Like he wouldn't even go. <laughs> oh, oh Just, you, you giblet head. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just a phony all the way down. Like, damn, that's why. That's like, yeah, that's like some shit you'd see like in like a a, a punchline about this guy. You know, We're like, oh, it turns out yeah. turkey feathers. No, he really just had turkey feathers. Although, I literally, guess, like, just turkey feathers. You know, it's it's a lot harder to kill an eagle and get away with it. I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think in order to get, I think there's a reason that those uh, headdresses are extremely prized among Plains Indian cultures because it's really hard to get eagle feathers. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that's the, why. It's the, yeah, the, yeah, the, 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 it's, it's the scarcity. Yeah, I, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, he he adopts this persona, and as I said, he sort of becomes this like indigenous rights activist. And, you know, of course, part of that is collecting donations for the well-being of his people. Oh, Uh, yeah. (laughs) His people was just a very clever sort of pluralization of what he was really doing, which was collecting donations to help one person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his people. His people. He means uh, his cadre of drug dealers. Right. Exactly. That he has in rotation (laughs) back on Coney Island. Right, because, yeah, he is, I and I, I also think it's, like, fun to think about, like, knowing this guy is a big cokehead, and then knowing he told people he could speak 21 languages, like, that oh, tracks. Yeah, yeah, That's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, man, I do it right now, I'm to it, you're like, oh, shit, okay, yeah. 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 And he like fully believes it. Like yeah, he's yeah, done yeah, so yeah. much cocaine, he thinks he can speak other languages. <laughs> I love how like like education like wasn't as widespread like as you know as time goes on it becomes more and more widespread. So back then, if you just read a few books and traveled outside of your state, you were like you had the edge on like seventy percent of the population. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, and like I'm sure I, I'm sure like working on Coney Island, he probably did meet way more people who spoke other languages than like the average person in Arizona or something. You know what I mean? Like that's a port. That's like 
<laughs> yeah, he's like just sailors like, went there. You know what I mean? He, he's just like hot tamale, and they're like, Jesus Christ, look at him go! <laughs> like that's you know, he's <laughs> yelling shit. He heard people saying when they got off the boat at Ellis Island. Right, like not not that he would actually have the ability to speak those languages, but he would probably at least have a little more familiarity with them than the average. Yeah like interior american in the 20s yeah. which is when he's doing this it's so like when i when i go back to clean and explain current trending topics on twitter to my friends yeah <laughs> precisely exactly like that so yeah he he travels all over giving giving speeches about this and and again like that's that's what he did as tom longboat too so he must be just like a very compelling like public speaker you yeah. know so He's he's going from place to place, uh, talking about the Cherokee, presumably just making shit up and, <laughs> and collecting donations. And uh, at one of these stops in Utah, he meets uh, this woman, Bertha Thompson, who is tr- an actual indigenous person. She's a member of the Klamath tribe of California, and um, she's also an indigenous rights activist. So he meets this woman. And they fall in love. Like uh, she, <laughs> I was gonna say, like she nope. even buys it. Damn. Like the 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 rap on her, at least according to what we know, is that she didn't know that he was a con man. She thought he was for real. So yeah, yeah, I, mean, I guess like, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, like like I guess the act was that good. <laughs> like, or probably the act was good, and also I feel like this is like a good sort of reinforcement of the idea of like. Native American cultures are not, it's not one culture. Like there's yeah. a lot of different <laughs> Native American tribes. So like if he's pretending to be from uh, the Plains and she's from California, like that's a different, yeah, t- a different type of Native American. And so she's, especially back then when like, I th- I think as you know, like there's a lot that goes into it but it's become there's there's more of sort of like a pan-indigenous like idea now than i think maybe there was in the past but yeah yeah, like he totally fooled her like completely yeah damn (laughs) like or he's you know like one of those things also like i'm assuming he was making a little bit of bread you know what i'm saying uh, oh yeah yeah, so it could be one of those things where she's just like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, you know, maybe chalking it up to be like, I guess they do just do it differently on the planes. Maybe, I don't know. I think I think there's like a couple things that could have been happening. Because the, the other thing that's like confusing to me is like, if he was taking all of this money for his own enrichment, how would she not know that? Yeah. You know, like, how do you keep that a secret? But maybe, yeah. she, again, like you said, she's like, this guy is living good and uh, I would also like to live good. And uh, you know, that's, that is very powerfully uh, tempting for anybody, even somebody with good intentions initially. So, you know, maybe she, maybe she found out, maybe she realized the money wasn't quite right, but didn't think he was a fake Indian or something, you know? Yeah, and I'm sure, like, you know, given the times, it wasn't uh, very hard for a husband. I mean, she seemed like a very independent woman herself. But it wasn't very hard for a husband. No, 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 I I would, I I, I, I gathered up all the money. I gave their guys their cut. I got my little cut here. We're all good. You know, if he's telling her that's what's what, you know, like, it doesn't seem like it's a time and place for her to be like, well, hold on. Right. Like, I mean, and that, yeah, I don't know. Maybe gender roles came into it because it is like, even though they were of different tribes, it's like, I feel like you would be able to tell if you we're really used to being like the only indigenous person around yeah. and you meet a guy who's a white guy pretending to be indigenous. I feel like you would maybe at least get a sense of that, but I don't know, man, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but they did, they did get married in 1918. Uh, apparently 5,000 people attended their wedding. Like they were celebs. They were a big Whoa. deal. So yeah. That's yeah. dope. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know why I just, I was like, man, but that was a fun bash. Yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> they had a good time. Yeah, yeah, it's just, um, I bet it was fun. Yeah, I mean, and they they toured the U.S. and Canada, uh, talking about their issues, uh, you know, as as indigenous people. Um, but sadly, the marriage did not last due to uh, Laplante's growing fondness for alcohol and cocaine. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> too party too hard, lost lost Bertha. I, I don't think they were married very long, which also probably is an explanation for why she didn't realize he was a con man. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Damn. So I, I always imagine it's gotta be real hard to be on Coke back in the day. Cause it just feels like if you're in the wrong town, like, you know, if you're like in, you know, in, in cactus thorn, Arizona and you're on a stop on your tour and you run out of blow, 
what do you yeah. do? You know, like, just, yeah. That feels real tough. You know, like, you're like, who, oh, you know, a guy, you know, a guy in Yuma, you know, like, I, it just seems like, seems like a very hard time to be like a very committed cokehead, but it seems like he pulled it off. I see. It's interesting. Cause it's like, I think on the one hand, it would be a really hard time to be a cokehead. On the other hand, couldn't you just go to the doctor and ask for cocaine? Solid like. point. I forgot about, yeah, it was still party central. <laughs> this motherfucker, I forgot about that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it depends where you are though. Like you got to have the doctor who has the cocaine around. Otherwise you're screwed. Yeah. So I think, I think both can be true at the same time. Um, but yeah, so, uh, this, <laughs> this guy, he's, uh, he, after his marriage to Bertha dissolves, um, people start getting a, a, maybe not wise to him, but they start getting a little suspicious because they're like, okay, this, this guy seems to be living very well. Yeah. For <laughs> an activist who's giving all of his money to his nation. Also, we've like, you know, never seen him with other Cherokee people or yeah. like, you know, there's the people start getting suspicious. Um, the FBI starts looking into him. Uh, but that I feel like that I read that the FBI was looking into him and it's like, well, that could have been because they thought he was a con or that could have just been because he was a Native American activist. Like, yeah, yeah. Either one. <laughs> Real spy versus spy. Like two dudes yeah. just bump into each other on the paper trail. <laughs> They're like, oh, I'm busting him because he's a fraud. I'm like, oh, I'm busting him because he's brown. I'm like, wait a minute. Let's right. hang out. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, who knows? But he decides, uh, based on based on the the law kind of coming knocking for him, uh, he decides to go over to England instead, where not only uh, would he be sort of outside of the uh, of the eye of the law, um, but also his sort of Native American chief persona would be even more exotic. You know, yeah, he's not gonna less run with, into yeah. other people. Yeah, yeah we, we, way less people to know about anything that goes on. You know, like like that's just a whole new, a whole a whole new target and demographic. Uh, honestly, solid move. Yeah, pretty smart, and uh, it does work out for him for quite a while. Um, so he he takes the takes the ship to uh to England, and he's like well known at this point. And so when he gets off the ship, there's like press there to meet him because he's like kind of a celebrity. Um. So he he gets off the ship and uh, the Express newspaper in London reports that uh, White Elk made the announcement that he was there to meet with royalty as an emissary of the Cherokee people and plead for better education for his race in the British Dominion of Canada. Now, that all sounds great, except... That there are not any Cherokee people in Canada. That is <laughs> yeah. uh, not yeah. a native group. Uh, that is not a First Nations Canadian group. They live in the United States. So, yeah. uh, did, did that? I, I, so, I, 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 I don't know. I, I guess I'll listen. I was like, is that? Did that do him in, or did nobody know? Let's find out. Oh, that did absolutely not do him in. They, uh, <laughs> they had no, they had no idea that that was not a problem for them. Um, yeah, I don't know. He lived there for twenty years. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that was not the the issue. So, like, he comes. They report on this. Um, the royals find out pretty quickly that he is not who he is claimed to be. Um, but this does not seem to have ruined him in any way. Like okay. he. So he did. He didn't get to have an audience with the queen or whatever. But um, this was the twenties. Nobody cared about the stuff that we care about in terms of like cultural appropriation and stuff. So what he was able to do in England was uh, make a very good living performing his version of Native American dances uh, on London stages. So he basically becomes like a one man native American minstrel show. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Oh man. I, I, I bet he just nailed it with those dances. Oh, he was cutting a rug. I'm sure, yeah, was, I'm was sure they like, were incredibly accurate. Yeah. And, uh, that, that video that just came out on Twitter where the lady's like singing like, like a mnemonic device to remember like gr grammar rules. And she's singing it. Oh, like, in, yeah. Like a, yeah. The, the sine cosine, uh, yeah, the yeah, trigonometry yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Oh I just, I'm getting, like, that's what I'm picturing with his dance. <laughs> I think that's probably pretty accurate. Um, yeah. But he was, so he was like pretending to be a native American while performing these dances like he he didn't he he didn't sort of openly admit that this was all a fraud but um 
it it didn't really matter. Like it didn't come up a lot. He he wasn't like super fastidious about keeping this up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was still doing these do, do performing these entertainments. He was still collecting donations to quote unquote help his tribe. Like he was still pretending yeah. to be an Indian, but <laughs> still like, hitting up people for blow. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like... Oh yeah. Um. So this, like, all of this sort of semi-fraudulent activity is not what got him in trouble with the law um, in London. What got him in trouble in the law in London was the fact that, as I mentioned, he was bisexual and he was having an affair with a man, um, which was then discovered, and that was against the law at the time. So they were like, it's fine that you're defrauding people. (laughs) You put your what where? (laughs) Yeah. That's great. That, like that's what brought down Al, uh, Alan Turing, right? Is it Al, Alan Turing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Damn, bring out our greatest minds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Benedict um, Cumberbatch, Chief J. Strongbow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at this point, like he decides to get out of Dodge because he's like the law again for slightly for a slightly different reason, but I don't want to deal with it. So he leaves London. First, he goes to Northern England. Then he goes to a much better place to flee to, in my opinion. Uh, he goes to the French Riviera. Which, yeah. Great yeah, you, choice. Yeah, yeah you got to be gay to not draw attention down there. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you better yeah. hop off that trolley car and start kissing dudes or the bobbies will be all up in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, yeah, if you're somebody who's like good at swindling people... There are a lot of very wealthy people to swindle down there, and it's yeah, beautiful. So, and he like, speaks the yeah. language. He, it's like the other language he does speak is French. I don't know if that's true, although oh. he, he may. <laughs> okay. Well, he's like, I, I, oh yeah, he was born in Rhode Island. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I like my my Pepe. Uh, he's he's he spoke uh, you know uh, French, but it was French Canadian. He was you know, Quebecois, and we when we lived in Germany. Uh, him and both my accounts came over for like a week in like the late 80s and we were all excited because we can go to France because that's like the like the USO tours will take you around Europe but like France is like the impenetrable one because you really got to know the language and my dad's yeah. a little but when we brought them over we're like oh we can go to France now because Pepe and uh, both of our accounts are with us and it was just they might as well have not spoke French because nobody wanted to fuck with them as soon as they opened their mouth they're just like oh okay now we're they're good they're so <laughs> snobby about Quebecois yeah. French yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah, so they're, snobby they're, about they it they weren't having it so (laughs) yeah i'm not i'm not sure if he spoke french or not but he was very successful in france so i feel like he must have yeah um at least known a little bit um because like so he goes to the french riviera and this is where he it's he's sort of like before he's doing this like very sort of broad con right he's like performing for audiences he really narrows it down in the French Riviera and he just finds a couple rich people to swindle. And I'm sure it is focus your hustle. Exactly. Work, work smart, not hard. You know, that's what he ends up doing. He had a grind Um, set. He absolutely did because he, when he gets to the French Riviera through this chief white elk persona, he engineers a meeting with um, an Austrian countess named uh, I'm going to butcher this Antoinette. Cavanuller Metch and uh, her mother uh, Melania. So Melania and Antoinette are uh, totally taken with this guy. Antoinette was like very young and beautiful, um, and he sort of flirts his way into their good graces. And yeah, the, the both mother and daughter are totally charmed by him, and uh, he convinces them that not only is he Cherokee royalty, he is also an oil baron. And, he did have that uh, oil baron one in his back pocket. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he tells him he's an oil baron, and uh, they, uh, you know, so he's also a fellow rich, like they are. Yeah. And so they should feel very comfortable lending him money because he will pay them back just as soon as the British government lifts the hold on his fortune. Yep. Which oh man, he is like yeah, he's, he's all the scams in one. Also, it's kind of cool <laughs> how he plays like 
So by saying he's a, he's a Native American and he needs donations, he's playing like the like you know I'm poor, my people are poor. But then by yeah. also saying he's an oil baron, it you know it gets into that whole thing of like rich people don't mind lending money to people they think are also rich, so yep. they help him out. He's really playing both sides of the field, and it's just like somebody just to be like, hey, how are you rich and poor? Like what the fuck is it? Like, <laughs> right? Are you suffering or are you an oil baron? Like what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Strong bisexual energy just being rich and poor (laughs) (laughs) exactly so yeah he's uh he is sucking these women dry he is he takes their money and he he starts again like you said playing both sides of the coin because what he does with their money is he starts touring italy as cherokee royalty and you know arriving at these like five-star hotels to like crowds of fans like people love him and you know he's a he's a celebrity and the the now that he has these patrons it does sort of start working the other way where he starts being extremely generous with his fans which to me is also like big cocaine energy is like this is now also about attention (laughs) like you just need (laughs) you need people to love you (laughs) that is what you're about right now yeah, you just so, hitting like fucking key bumps in the buggy and just hopping out, like, hey, like just throwing fucking baguettes into the crowd or whatever it is they like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, according to Paul Willits, the guy who wrote this book, King Con, uh, he estimates that through this whole scheme with um, the Countess and her mom, uh, White Elk spent uh, the modern equivalent of probably around $60 million in a matter Whoa. of months. Months. Matter of months. Wow. That's like some $60 like, million. Like Brewster's Millions shit. That's so yes. dope. It's kind of sick. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, this guy is a total scumbag asshole, but I, yeah. like, it's a fun time with him. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a fun story. Yeah, and also it turns it, it it feels like it has that thing of like there's no real end in his mind other than just to keep this lifestyle going until he dies, which like that kind of like yeah. doesn't remo- it doesn't remove blame, but it's kind of like well I, I don't I don't know it, it makes it far more relatable. You know, what I'm not that he's just like trying yeah. to hit a high dollar amount and get out the game. He's just like the Anthony Gignac, the guy who said he was the fucking uh, the 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 Saudi prince. He's just yep. holding on and just taking like riding this where just it will cruising. take him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah, it's way if you're, it's it's way less sinister than like he had a dollar amount. He's getting in. He's trying to milk it. He's just like fuck it, man. With, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'll give him that. Let's <laughs> see where where being able to wear a plane's headdress and being pretty handsome takes me. It's going to yeah. take me really far, it turns out. It's going to take uh, you to Coachella, and everyone's going to yeah. love you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is kind of where things start to fall apart, and this is sort of the, the third act of the story. Um, the, the Countess and her mom eventually realize that they're getting swindled, and they'd only realize when they are like close to bankrupt. Like he really takes them for everything they're worth. Damn. And like, unlike when you swindle poor people, when you swindle rich people, you face consequences. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the, the Shkreli law. Yes, exactly. So, um, the Italian authorities come looking for him and, uh, he does what, uh, many have done before him, which is flee to Switzerland. He goes to yep. Switzerland uh, to try to get out He's of like, the... Can I deposit myself into this bank? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? How big are these lockboxes? <laughs> <laughs> well, he does... He he now does... Uh, he pulls an Anna Delvey in Switzerland. He checks into a really fancy hotel and has no money to pay and just kind of hangs out there. Um but in that, Switzerland, a, a, a place where people make their money from uh, investing and holding on to other people's money, this is actually a very serious crime, and you will get uh, put in jail for it. Yeah. So <laughs> he he is put in jail for skipping out on this hotel bill for a year. So he is finally paying for some of this, you know? Yeah. That's so crazy that you can, like, the, the hotel thing, like, now that I travel a lot more always baffles me because these people it, it's always like they stay at like you know like the plaza or whatever for like five days before they're found out like 
it'll be like three in the morning and I can't get the person to find like the reservation my manager made. <laughs> and I'm just like, why else would I be here, man? Like, <laughs> like I assure you. Right. I am, I'm not and, scamming to get yeah. into the like holiday <laughs> in by the airport. Yeah. Like, that's not where I'm going to scam. And they're guarding this with their life. They're like, I, I don't know. I don't see anything in there. It's, 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 it's bizarre that it's like, I guess just the, the higher you shoot again, it's the whole thing of like, why would he be here lying about that? Right. Yeah. No, just rich people are given, if you're perceived to have money, you're given so much more leeway with this kind of stuff. Whereas like, basically if you check into a holiday and they treat you like a criminal, like they yeah. think you're, you're checking in to like shoot heroin in their room. Yeah. Or I, I like, checked into a fucking like a, a something. I don't know even what it, what it was. It's like three in the morning. It was in Yakima, Washington. And this dude gave us the key and we go and open the door and someone's already in the room. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so that person rightfully freaks the fuck out and gets up and starts yelling. And he does not seem like a, like, you know, he, he seems like a, a formidable uh, dude. And so I, I go, sorry, that's the key that gave me. I slam it shut. I go back to the office. I tell the kid who's clearly on meth and he starts laughing. And I was like, okay, I mean, I guess kind of funny. He goes, no, no, that's the right room. You went to the wrong one. I was like, no, I didn't. And he insists. And on his insistence, I go back and I open this poor fucking guy's door again. Again. (laughs) This is exactly how I remember there was like this thing going around on Twitter where people were like, do not stay in this hotel. It is a human trafficking operation. They tried to come into my room in the middle of the night. And like reading the whole thing, I was like, you were just at a shitty hotel. Yeah. Like they're not <laughs> trafficking you. You yeah. were at a shitty hotel and they accidentally double booked your room because the guy at the front desk was on meth. Yeah, yeah like, there you go. Yeah. Tra- but they anyway, want, so what happened with your you the what fuck happened? Out. Oh yeah, well the basically so I, I go so the first time it was my my opener, Shannon. He was the one that checked, I was like, hey man, there's a guy in there. And I was like, okay, so I go and check <laughs> it up. So I hadn't gone to the room yet. I was, so I'm going on this meth head's insistence that maybe Shannon fucked up and went to the wrong room and we terrify this poor guy again. And so oh I finally I go God. back and I'm a little more stern with the cat. I was like, yo, and he's Gives us another key, and the next morning, I don't ever report or snitch or tattletale on shit unless I feel sure. like something, something might be unsafe. So I went to the right. front desk, and I was like, hey, I got to say something. And I was talking to the lady, and I, as I was talking, I was like, man, this bitch is on drugs, too. You know? <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and she was just like, oh, she kind of starts laughing. She's like, yeah, that guy, he's crazy. He's one of the new guys. I was like, okay, nobody cares. All right, well, nobody I will just. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, I'm just going to go get a donut hole out of your fucking thing for free, and I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, man. The the fact that you can stay in the plaza for weeks, but that's your experience at like a $30 a night hotel. Yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he goes to jail for a year, LaPlante, and uh, upon, this is like a funny, like he sort of gets bounced around because like, yeah, like he fled to switzerland from italy right so when he gets out of jail they drop him at the italian border (laughs) they're like get back over there (laughs) and stay out (laughs) and italy also has like you know charges for him because he committed crimes in italy so they they bring him to italy they hand him over to the italian police uh he uh this time then does seven years in italian prison and uh then he gets sent back to the U.S. when he's when he's out of Italian prison. Are so. we inching close? We're inching closer to, to World War II at this point now, right? Yeah, we're we're somewhere in the 30s. I okay, think. At this okay. Okay. I he so he ends up dying. Um, some places said 42. Some places said 44. So uh, he he dies around age 50. So he's still like he's pretty young at this point. Um, and yeah, I think. I think we're like in the early 30s from what I remember. Okay. Um, so he he's brought back to the US and again, journalists are waiting for him there because this he was he was like famous, you know? Yeah. So he of course, uh, the consummate con man, uh, gives an interview with them and and tells them that he's a changed man, he's just looking for a quiet life. Um, but of course, that is not <laughs> <laughs> what con artists do. Yeah, no, no. And uh, he he goes back out hustling again, but he is unfortunately too well known to be the con man he once was. Yeah. So, again, uh, people know that he's a fake Indian at this point. But, again, nobody at this point cares, so he gets a bunch of roles in movies pretending to be Native American. <laughs> so, oh, man. 
you can't. Because no one gives a shit at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? The, the, like, the, that's not the... Like the like the like the, the, the dishonesty is one part of it. like people don't like being lied to, but nowhere is it that he was like 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 the cultural insensitivities isn't isn't even a question to anybody who right. who is signing checks and uh, and making moves. You know, so that's yeah, that, that, that's never came up in their mind. Yeah, absolutely. No one in this story is upset on behalf of Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. Like that is not yeah. part of this. Cannot whatsoever. overstate that <laughs> how no one gave yeah. a shit about this. <laughs> so yeah, so he he gets like a couple acting roles, um, but he ends up dying poor uh, in in 1942 in Arizona. Um, he apparently, according to um, his death records, which his death went unreported, like this was a novelty when he got back to the U S and then he kind of faded into obscurity. Um, but according to his death record, he was at the time of his death still pretending to be native American because he, uh, (laughs) his name was listed as white Eagle and his race was listed as Indian male. So he was, you know, to the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go with what you know, I guess. You know, like just wildly unprepared and unknowledgeable about any of his the culture's supposed death customs. He's just like, uh, right. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, tie me to the top of the tree and then, uh, you know, cover me in honey and let the bees eat me. I guess I don't know how this works. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the story of Edgar Laplante. Uh, Edgar I really, LaPlante. I'm going to read that book now. Yeah, He's that sounds quite incredible. a character. Um, I'm gonna, worth it. Yeah, I, I I don't see. I mean, like other than like the eight years in prison, which like I don't know, but like maybe this is like a, a mis a misreading of the past. But I always feel like when they're like, whenever there's like people being in prison, like at some point in the past, it's always like, yeah, well, you know, he, they, you know, he could kind of like walk around this whole little area and he's allowed to go to the bakery. Yeah, Swiss and yeah. Italian prison that doesn't sound too. Bad. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. Mean, but like other than the, the, the prison sentences, I mean, it sounds like he had a a much cooler life than anyone. Uh, born in Rhode Island in 1888, fucking 1988 in Rhode Island. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that dude had a way cooler life than he was slated for and faded the thing, for. The the thing that I think when I hear this story is that like, I don't know if it was worth it to be this guy, but having the skills and the the sort of attributes that he had, he could have. He's a stand-up like he could have been yeah. a comic <laughs> like yeah, yeah, he should yeah. have I, just done that you know like i wonder how just he took to go to acting. go to coney island go yeah, to coney yeah. island and then get on vaudeville or something like yeah yeah you're an well, entertainer that's what you're born to do clearly write a few write, write five minutes about your mother-in-law that doesn't exist and just how you know yeah. and, and what, a, what an evil bitch she is and how you hate her and people will laugh you know because <laughs> it's 19 trust me it's 1920s you can, <laughs> Trust me, you can still do a lot of cocaine in that yeah, job. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, this dude should have just should have just gotten an entertainment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. don't bring the don't bring the Native Americans into it. Like, yeah. just be a cokehead white guy who does stand up. There are plenty of you. Yeah, you're yeah you're handsome, you're white, you're charming, and you, you love cocaine. Yeah, get out there, man. You didn't go far enough when you went out to uh, Arizona. Yeah. You should you should have kept going and staked your claim in L.A. Oh, yeah, uh, a handsome bisexual uh, cokehead with no moral standard. <laughs> You're gonna do great in entertainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, dude. Yeah, this guy, this guy definitely missed his calling. Yeah, I would say, yeah, ultimately not worth it, but uh, a, a waste of talent. A waste of talent. Exactly. A waste yeah. of talent. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would I would call it a life well lived for sure. Yeah. I don't know if I'd do it, but it's a good it's good yarn. This yeah. Time, you'd so. have to you'd have to try real hard to find somebody I'd rather hear talk to me about all their bullshit at a bar. You know, like, like yes, that's, that's the guy I'd actually listen to. Yeah. yeah. Damn. No question. Well, yeah. Well, thank you very much for Edgar LaPlante. Uh, folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you guys liked what you heard today, we have a Patreon. You can actually, because we do, we do two free episodes a month, and you can actually go to our Patreon and get two more a month, and we have a huge back catalog. Uh, it's patreon.com slash lie, cheat, and steal. Uh, I have another podcast called Good at Plants, Bad at Life, where I talk to a person who is insanely knowledgeable about plants and horticulture and conservation 
Nihilism. And I listen, and uh, they are very knowledgeable, and I listen to them and learn things. I have my mind blown every week. That's good at plants, bad at life. You can check it out. And I also did want to drop some tour dates, guys. I will be on tour throughout the South in February for 10 uh, sure-to-be-fun action-packed days. Uh, we go ahead and bring those guys up. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be in Bradenton, Florida on February 10th, uh, Sanford, Florida on February 11th, Boca Raton, Florida on February 12th, Lakeland, Florida on February 13th, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina on the 16th, Marietta, Georgia on February 17th, Newport, Kentucky, February 18th, Greenville, South Carolina, February 19th, and North Garden, Virginia on February 20th. You can go to my Twitter and find all the particulars on that and find me on Twitter. It's at P-Z-T-X, P-E-E-Z-Y-T-X. Uh, Kathy, got anything for us today? Uh, I have another podcast called What a Time to Be Alive. It's a stupid uh, news podcast. We talk about stupid news. The podcast is not stupid. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, like, so okay, give us some credit, Kath. <laughs> we do like weird news stories. Uh, my favorite one this, this week was uh, about a mechanic who um, took a... $3.4 million Ferrari out for a test drive and drove into a tree stump and totaled it. Just <laughs> immediately, the one thing you don't want to happen uh, really cracked me up. So yeah, that's what a time to be alive. Um, we have a Patreon for that as well, where you get an extra bonus episode every week. And uh, I'm Kath Barbadoro on social media. So thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in. Like I said, we uh, we do two of these a month and two on the Patreon. Check us out. Uh, but be safe out there, guys. You know, if you're doing some uh, traveling, just be safe, be smart, man. But above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. See you next time. Bye.